0: Victory, looking to build. Barbarous is quick. Is he in behind Topo Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarusis! Wow! Yeah! I'm a salmon, a spawning salmon. And here we again. Oh, he's got it!
1: Unbelievable kick!
0: from my
1: I can't believe I'm saying this. Nick DiBano is with me. That's something I can't believe I'm saying. What I especially can't believe I'm saying to start this week's rapid-fire edition of the Football Hour is that the Socceroos have qualified for their fifth consecutive World Cup in the most spectacular of circumstances, a penalty shootout win over Peru and Andrew Redmayne. Andrew Redmayne, the grey wiggle, is the architect of it all, with a crucial penalty save when it got down to sudden death to make things a sure thing. And if that sounds crazy to you, that's because it was absolutely insane. It was just a ridiculous, ridiculous morning in so, so many respects. Uh, A result, an outcome that going into the game, not many people gave the Socceroos a chance of achieving, and yet... Uh running off the smell of an oily rag, Nick Dubano and myself, Lockie Flanagan, are here to to recap the game mm. here on the os Football Hour. No Jason Goldsmith. I hope he's having a good time uh away from the from the Dockland Studios. I'm sure it's never hard when the soccer is are, are there, but we are there, Nick. Uh how did you see it happening? Because there is just uh
0: a lot to unpack. Uh good evening, Lockie. Uh, thank you for having me on the Oz Football Hour, no, no, the esteemed position of Jason Goldsmith. Um, I've had a lot of time to process this. I'm not going to lie. I am absolutely exhausted. Oh, yeah. No. Like, we've we've both been up since prior to 4am, you know. Do you know up. something really
1: scary, Nick? What? Back to back hours, back to back. See, I can't even get my sentences right. Can't that's how. Speak. That's how little sleep I've had. Back to back nights of of four hours of sleep.
0: That's concerning, mate.
1: Well, yeah, one because of work and one because <laughs> of the ruse. So, yeah, mm. yeah if I'm getting the uh, the sentences mixed up, that is that is why. But I'm sure that is a feeling that a lot of mm. people can can relate to.
0: Yeah, at look, the moment, uh, I am still absolutely just, oh. It's it's amazing, isn't it? Like the what, what happened this morning. Um, look, the result itself is is great. Uh, as I alluded to a little bit earlier on uh, the TNC football podcast as well. Quick shout out to them, but also what I alluded to on Twitter earlier today too. Making the World Cup is so much better than not, and it is simple for the fact that it's. It sounds like such an elementary take to just say. Yep, of course, making the World Cup's better. But we had people actively saying for months now saying that Australia need the wake-up call of missing the World Cup. Wrong, so so wrong. This morning was not a great game of football. Let's let's just put it right out there. It was a shocking game of football that I would love you know, to get.
1: Well, Nick, uh, I mean, a lot of a lot a lot of people online would not necessarily agree well, with that's you. That's fine. I, I thought the penalty that... shootout was fine. No, that that's fair. But but certain pundits have said that Australia created enough enough chances to win that game in regular time. Um, you know, they, they had the, the control of the game. It it was theirs to lose. The only part where Peru really threatened was in the second period of extra time. I mean, what what would you say to because there are I am All I would thinking say is on your not, side of the fence, but there are a significant portion of people who think that This was one of the soccer's better performances in in recent times.
0: We have a tendency to get so caught up on outcomes but not at processes and, you know, looking at, okay, we we, we won a game. We won, so we must be playing really well at the moment. Mark, we played like we did not play well. It was not a good game of football. We did okay, enough. Why didn't we play well in in, in, well, in your view? It's the same problems that has been, you know, plaguing Australia's entire World Cup qualification phase. And I'm sure that we're of a very similar opinion. U-shaped possession looking like, first of all, the lineup for what they wanted to play was not conducive. And they wanted to play off the deck, playing out, didn't want to go long balls. And they stuck Mitchell Duke up top. And it's like, if you're going to play Mitchell Duke up top, you've got to play a bit more direct. That didn't make sense. They didn't play to his strengths. The midfield was completely neglected. Like, you know, that Aiden Hrustich basically playing as a second striker. He barely got involved in the attacking phases. Australia barely created. And we look at that and go, you know, the fact we won, it's good. You know, we had a couple decent chances at the end of the second half from Hrustich and beach But they weren't in like... They weren't like as, like, they were decent chances, but it's not like we we're creating anything actually inside the area. They, they were, they came out of moments of transition. They came out of moments just breaking forward. We did not play well at all. We defended pretty good, I thought, but the penalty shootout, look, you know what? Like, we're, we're, we're sort of burying the lead here. Um, we probably should have spoken about the performance stuff maybe a little bit later. Um, for as bad as it was, I mean, talking about the outcome pretty damn cool that we're going back to a fifth straight World Cup. Um, despite the fact that this has been one of the most uninspiring World Cup qualification, you know, tourneys that we have seen in recent memory and mm. it has been one of the most, you know, disappointing and we've seen some of the most disappointing performances all around post hashtag the winning streak against Nepal and Taiwan and those sort of nations. This has not been a good run for Australia. And in the end, look, i, I got to say, I gotta say, Andrew Redmayne, Lockie, I want to get your opinion on this because okay. you're the Andrew Redmayne whisperer. Uh, ten years ago, some people have t- said t- that. Ten years ago, yeah, ten years ago, you you had your chat to Andrew Redmayne when he was still at Melbourne Heart, and you you said to him, "Mate, like, there's going to be a moment in ten years' time. You need to be ready for it." Yeah, I, I've got a. Got a little yeah.
1: photo with him, which people can uh, can check out on the yeah. on the Twitter sphere. But
0: the ABC uh, Instagram account. Yeah,
1: I remember as a yeah. If you're wondering who that weird uh, Justin Bieber looking child is in a Melbourne Heart turtleneck jersey on the yeah, ABC it's Sport me, account. Me, uh, That is me. Um, fortunately, the hair uh, looks very different now. And despite the comments that some people have made, it's it's not coming back. The, the ball cut won't I'm be. I'm disappointed. Will not be returning. But yeah, I just had a had a bit of a premonition on the day and said, Redders. Which is, uh, you know, is what people used to call him back then. Back in his, uh, his sort of young boy phase, um, you're going to be called into action in and 2022. Start working on the wiggle routine, uh, develop a, a nice beard, and and the moment will come to you. You'll know what I'm talking about. And look, I don't know what was going through your head, Nick, when the the camera panned across to the sidelines and. We saw Craig Goodwin oh, standing there, God. ready and waiting <laughs> on the wings. And then in the background, like the Viper Randy Orton, was Andrew Redmayne just standing in, in the kit, background. In full kit. In full kit, ready to come on. But it was just, like like I've said, I, I came into this game not just having four hours of sleep the night before, but having four hours of sleep the night before that. So legitimately, there was a, a very small part of me, a really small part of me that was like, am I actually so tired that I'm starting to see things? Yeah. And that Andrew Redmayne is standing in the background of the screen and I'm imagining this. And then I... I refreshed, I, I checked it again, I paused and played the screen, and Andrew Redmayne was still there. And then he was on the field saving penalties for uh, for Australia.
0: You know what was sort of the funny part is when I first saw him lumber up, I thought, oh, is he just like standing there as like moral support, as like the third goalkeeper, just like he's up off his feet and he's just barking instructions.
1: Maybe he might have thought that he was like a Ben Foster
0: style, just yeah. vlogging the World Cup qualifiers. Absolutely. Experience. And then I realised, oh, my God, he's actually coming he's on. He's coming on. He's coming on. Like, what is this? And to his credit, to his absolute goddamn credit, because if this backfired, oh my God, if this backfired, it would have been a disaster. But to his credit, he psyched out the Peruvians. Uh, I was was worried at the start. I'm thinking, oh, you know, like, is this actually going to work? You know, there was the first, there was one penalty in particular where he got caught so flat-footed from his Wiggles routine and like thought, oh, this is going to backfire big time. This is not looking good. And then, and then, there was that brilliant save. I honestly didn't expect he was actually going to save one. I thought he was going to psych him out enough to make them miss. But in the end, it worked. And I mean, what a save it was. He stayed on his line, which is a credit to him. Mm. But, like, he's an Australian hero now. Yeah. Who would have thought six, seven years ago would be calling Andrew Redmayne a Socceroos hero. A hero who has just sent the Socceroos to the World not, Cup. Nick, not even six or seven
1: years ago. A couple like, days like ago. six or seven days ago. Hours ago. A call, if someone said, know, because hours. when when the squad initially came through, one of the, the biggest bones of contention mm. with this whole squad was why is Andrew Redmayne being picked as the third keeper? And there were some people yeah. on the side of the argument that's like, well, he's not going to play. What does it matter? Well, he has played and he's provided... The single most important part of this whole qualification journey, and to be honest, to be perfectly honest with you, Nick, uh, because as you were sort of touching on before, the performance in in this game, you know, some people would say that it was brighter than previously, but the, the qualification run over the stretch for Australia hasn't been good. It's no. it's been poor, in mm. fact. I think that a complete meme moment, which is what this was like it let, let, let's be honest part of the reason that this is being so widely talked about beyond it just being a, a huge occasion is that it's really funny <laughs> it's really really it is, really it is funny. objectively hilarious it's it's if you're even with your outside the soccer circle yeah. like if you're not on soccer twitter to even just watch a man who you've never seen before whip out these Weird antics on the line. The wiggles is is funny, and I I really don't think, uh, in the vein of if you don't laugh, uh, you'll cry. I can't think of a better way for this Socceroos squad, with the way they've played, to eke their way through uh, to a to a fifth consecutive World Cup. But I mean, it looked (coughs) like for a moment when Martin Boyle missed that first penalty that it wasn't going to be the case. I, I was. I was drawing
0: a line through yeah, that Yeah, I point, thought, I thought much. that was it. Like, Lockie, you remember me when it comes to watching penalty shootouts. I'm like the number one t- moment there's a miss. I, I automatically rule out the team I'm supporting. You remember me during the bloody Euros, like in the I final. Do. My ears
1: like, certainly remember as yeah, well, particularly like,
0: the right one. Yeah, like you remember, like, I think it was Locatelli that missed, and I was straight away like, oh, my God, we've, we've fluffed it. Like, it's over now. Like, no, no, tell it's all right. We're, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, when Boyle missed, though, there was this feeling of, like, oh, mm. oh, this is, like, the first penalty as well to miss. It's like, this is the worst possible start. But then, to their credit, the next five penalties, oh, my goodness, that was some good bloody penalties. Like, Aiden Rustic, what a penalty. Like, just just seriously, like, cool as ice, like, stood up, just popped it in. It was like, it was not full Jorginho spec, but it was close to it for, like, that, that sort of um, slow... Sort of like hesitant, like hezy when he goes to have, uh, take the penalty mm. and he like sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. Um, but like as the penalty shootout kept going, like once Peru missed for the first time, I thought, all right, I got a good feeling now. I reckon we're going to win this one. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely thought once Peru missed the first one that we're not losing and it, it just felt like that red main was starting to get in their head slowly, slowly. And it was a great save to win it. So, Look, Lockie, we're going to the World Cup. I don't know how. Like, so, like, it's, I actually am still shocked. We shouldn't be like this shocked about Australia going to the World Cup. I'm, I'm shocked to an extent. I'm really shocked because I genuinely thought I, I will, I will come out and say it. I thought going into these two games that we were proper screwed, and if we didn't lose against the UAE, I thought we we're going to lose against Peru, and I'll happily wear the egg on my face and say, "Yep." Like I said that, but you know what? Credit to them. They got the job done in penalties. It's not easy to win a penalty shootout and they got it done. But in terms of what they're dealing up on the field, when it comes to the non sort of random, you know, toss of a coin sort of penalty shootout situation where basically anyone can win a penalty shootout, doesn't matter what team you are, you know, all rules basically go out the window. There are a lot of issues Australia still need to address going into Qatar, a lot of issues. Otherwise, it's going to be the same story it's been for okay. the last three World Cups.
1: Sure. Well, look, we've got, we've got the comments section active, whether you're watching on Twitch or on the Facebook Live. And, of course, you can listen back to the podcast later. Awesome. But uh, Lyle coming through saying, the qualification campaign wasn't poor. We played to the standard that the team is at and the standard... That football is currently at mm-hmm. in Australia. I think we outplayed Peru in this game. What, what do you What do you say to that, Nick? Because there are, there are some people who would allege to against your argument that the quality of of, of players. What, what What do you think? You've You've mentioned what you don't like to see or mm. what you haven't liked about Australia in this qualification campaign. What do you think they They need to do better? Do you think they can't do it better with the the quality of players that are available. <clears throat> you know what is there for Graham Arnold to do between now the, and the World Cup?
0: The argument that Australia doesn't have the cattle is such a lazy argument, in my opinion. There's enough quality in that team to not even have to worry about going through the, the playoff phases. It's a matter of utilization, a matter of tactics. You know, it's a matter of how they're utilizing that system, and the fact that this team has a completely you know, neglected midfield three and players playing out of, you know, their best function. Like that's an, that's an issue. Look, Australia have issues in terms of who leads the line. Like if Adam Taggart's not not fit, Australia have an issue up top. Mm. They had an issue at centre-back today with Harry Sutard and Trent Sainsbury injured. I'll accept that. I'll accept that about uh, no Tom Rogic. I'll accept that about no Adam Taggart but there is enough quality in this team to still get the job done. They're performing well under what they can do because there isn't, (laughs) there is, there is quality in this team. And I think that, you know, just because these players aren't playing in, you know, the premier league or, you know, a lot of them aren't playing in La Liga or Serie A, you're a couple in the Bundesliga. It automatically, there is this connotation of, well, they must not be that good. Right. There's enough talent in this team. Lockie, we've seen these players play for however long, like, You know, like in midfield, when they're they're all on the same page and they pick the right players, like, right again, they're not getting the right mix right in midfield. You know, Aaron Moyes still playing is just baffling considering this point. A lot of people praised his performance, but the fact he hasn't been playing at club level and the way he's utilised in the Socceroos team in terms of how he slows play down from deep, um, you know, he just doesn't function in the way Australia wants to play. Not the right option. You know, you've got a guy like Denny Jonro should be seeing minutes. The fact that we don't see Marco Tilio getting enough scope in this team. The fact that we don't see Jason Cummings getting selected when he's a player who could be transformative in this team. There are a lot of good players in this team, Lockie. And not even just in this team, in in Australian football. And I do think that that's quite a lazy argument. Because we've seen, we played against Saudi Arabia, especially here. We've seen it when we've played against even teams like Japan. We can stick it to them. We can beat them if we're at the at our best. This is not an incapable team at all. It's a matter of utilization and tactics. That that's my opinion, and it always has been throughout this um this phase of the Socceroos. Yeah, I mean, and
1: particularly thinking back to the start of this game. You know, the expectations that Graham Arnold was working against, not a lot of people giving us a chance, particularly based off the Mm. performance that we put up against the UAE, which certainly had a lot of people worried coming up against a a team like Peru. Um, But then in this actual game, we we were all so scared of what the Peruvians would bring. Oh, they're the South American playoff team. Like they're going to wipe the floor with us. Like I saw predictions of four 0 out there, mm, that sort of thing. I did thing. as well, yeah. But they were really poor in this they, game. They weren't good. Like, like yes, the the Socceroos. Maybe I, I wouldn't be as negative about their performance as you might have been. Mm. For example, I do think they did, <laughs> you know, they did some good things. But I, I do think at points in this game it was a bit of a, um, you know, a. a a situation where two t- two teams were kind of falling over each other because, a- a- as much as the the soccerers didn't blow you away, I thought Peru for me did the complete opposite. They were so <coughs> underwhelming were in this game; they completely, completely cooked it. And i I wonder if maybe a lot of people are viewing the performance of the soccerers in this game, in this specific ninety minutes, against the expectations of what Peru were going into the game, if if, if you sort of get what I mean. Like yeah. everyone was expecting Peru to be so big, and so when we were at a closer level, <clears throat> people still judging them against what they were assuming would be the yeah. case, whereas what was the reality, which was that Peru really, really struggled. I think they looked worse for their lead into this game, obviously only turning up to Qatar, I think it was three days mm-hmm. before the qualifier yeah. uh, in, you know, pretty tough conditions to, to so not just play over obviously each other, yeah. Not yeah, not just to play in, obviously the stadiums are air conditioned and everything, but they're actually just be around. Mm. It's it's so hot in Qatar even in the, the early morning. And we're playing in the middle period of the year where we can't play the World Cup now because yeah. it's too hot and these players are having to come off a three day run in to play this game and mm. I think it really, really hampered Peru because Absolutely. they were just they were really off and I, I don't think it was for me, not necessarily a case of the soccer who's playing really well. It was more that Peru just undershot the yeah, lofty well, expectations I think Australian football fans had set out for them.
0: Remember, they were without Yotun in midfield as well, who's such a key part of the way they play. Um, look, there, there's still for me Peru. I'm, I'm, I still think Peru were were really disappointing. Like I, I can't, I can't even you know fathom how poorly they played. They they weren't, they'd never really, they look, I will say though, Peru probably did create the better of the chances inside the box. That's one thing I'll definitely give, especially in that second period of extra time, you know, hitting the post, they were pushing, they were asking questions of the Socceroos defense. I, I got to say, Socceroos defended, I thought quite well for most of the game, didn't allow those opportunities. But again, I feel like Peru could have taken it to him just a little bit more. And you could see there was a bit of frustration seeping into Gareca as the game went on. You know, they weren't attacking Nathaniel Atkinson, I think nearly as much as they should have after he got that early yellow card. Mm. And we've seen Nathaniel Atkinson. I, I'm a big Nathaniel Atkinson guy. I think he's a great, you're a big Nathaniel Atkinson guy as well. 100%. Um, that he's a quality fullback. He's a quality wingback as well. Wherever you want to utilize him. He's just a very good player. Um, but his form over the past two games, has been a little suspect. You know, he struggled against the UAE, struggled again today, and they took him off for Frank Karicic. But in those moments, they really should have been peppering him, just going down that left-hand side, going through Quever. I know with that Jotun, that gets affected, but they didn't take the game to Australia nearly as much as what they should have, and they should have sensed that opening. And that's not an... That's, I don't know if that's a mentality thing. I don't know if that's something that the players just... You know, because it seemed like Gareka wanted them to go for it because he was getting really frustrated yeah. in some moments. It's not like he was, you know, telling them to sit off and, you know, knock the ball around and, and avoid that position. He was getting really annoyed when they wouldn't attack that, attack that right fullback. So, you know what? I think it worked well for Australia in the end. That's the way Peru played, like, you know i didn't really ask too many questions i thought the uae actually asked more questions of australia than what peru did because there was never that sense of dread that every time peru go forward they're going to score but and 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 thinking back to our last meeting with
1: him in, they in 2018 killed us. that was exactly yeah. what they did every time they had such a, a massive amount of threat on both flanks and every time a player, um, like an Andre Correa, for example, was able to carry the ball mm. down the flank, I would be legitimately scared that they would score with every yeah. opportunity. But in this game, and it wasn't necessarily a, a matter of instruction, perhaps because Garekka was so frustrated. Mm. It might have been a matter of conditioning, as we've mentioned, but they just looked, looked so timid. Mm. Like I, It was weird because... They you played know, how, Austra- how I expected Australia yeah. to approach this game. And, and you can't have two teams doing that at the
0: same time. Absolutely. And, you know, remember Luis Advin at that 2018 World Cup, absolutely tearing oh. us up from fullback. And he was good again. i got to say, he was good again tonight. Not but for the fact yards. there was that feeling of like, I remember the first time I watched Peru at the 2018 World Cup against Denmark and being amazed at the waves of the way they attacked and just throwing numbers forward and completely bombarding the Australia defence. But they're not the same team that they were in Russia and it's quite obvious and i think that worked well it worked perfectly for australia so look you know what uh lockie i got to say though just just on a on a more broad scale talking about the result for australia it's a it's an awesome result for them like going to a fifth straight world cup it's an amazing achievement considering where australia was like think about 20 years ago like we hadn't been to a world cup in 32 years um heading into germany and yeah. you know now we're going to five straight like far out you look at the teams of our heritage you know we, we both like scotland and italy right now can't even get to the world yeah. cup you know so like yeah Sh- shout
1: out to, to to lyndon dykes as well yeah. uh, my, my heart is with you mate uh i know how tough it is to be a fervent scottish supporter and have to deal with things not going away uh something that Martin Boyle is not feeling. He's comparatively vindicated for his yeah. decision to abandon Scotland in favour of Australia. Whether or not he'd play, as is another matter altogether. But anyway, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Graham Arnold and what this qualification means in in the broader context. Uh, on the other side of a break here on uh, the Os Football Hour, if you've missed any of what we've been talking about so far, just, start, just recapping the game, we're going to get into the, the deep, deep roots. On the uh, the other side of this message from our sponsors, victory
0: looking to build. Barbarusis is quick. Is he in behind top Or Stanley? It doesn't matter. Costa Barbarusis. Wow! Yeah! I'm a salmon, a salmon. And Di again. Oh, he's done it. Unbelievable. i <laughs> here. Oh,
1: Welcome back <clears throat> here on the Oz Football Hour, where we're still myself, Lockie Flanagan, and Nick DiBano, basking, basking in the glory, uh, and chuckling at the hilarity of <laughs> the soccer's qualification for the World Cup in Qatar, yeah, and the so really cer- and the circumstances Did in which it happened. Uh, Nick, I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, like, I might wake up tomorrow, and it's all I'll just check my injury. Twitter, and my Andrew Redmayne tweet is not there. Uh the soccer is result is incomplete on FOTMOB, and I found find out that it's actually actually Monday still. Yeah and uh, Heidelberg United Oakley
0: Cannons hasn't happened yet. Yes. I didn't actually commentate that game. didn't beat Melbourne on Monday No, okay, no uh, you ruined it. it sorry. Is, uh, sorry. Lucky, come on mate. You
1: ruined it. But anyway, someone who didn't ruin it is uh a man who was under a lot of pressure leading up to this game. I'm speaking of of none other than Graham Arnold. Yep. Despite all the, the, the criticisms of, uh, of him, he has delivered on what was promised, on what he was staking his job, his reputation on, and that is getting the Socceroos to the World Cup. And he did it via the aid of a very big decision, of course, the substitution of Andrew Redmayne onto the field, which we've mentioned. Now, a lot of praise has come out for Arnie in light of the qualification, specifically the decision as well. Uh, to bring Andrew Redmayne onto the field. How, how much credit do you think Arnie does take for the manner in which the, this game played out and the decision to to bring Redmayne on himself?
0: I just want to read something that I'm reading on Graham Arnold's Wikipedia page because someone has gone to the, the effort, Lockie. Okay. If you, know, you know whenever, like, there's something big happens in World Sport or something, and someone goes, just edits their Wikipedia page and adds all sorts. So... In his return to the Australian national team tab under his coaching career. Yeah. He's got... There's the final sentences. On the 14th of June, 2022, Arnold produced a tactical 4D chess masterclass by selecting Mitch Duke and Nathaniel Atkinson to start in the intercontinental playoff game against Peru in Qatar. With the teams locked at nil-nil with one minute of extra time remaining, Andrew, uh, Arnold subbed on Andrew the Grey Wiggle Redmayne, who made the match-winning save on the fifth Peru penalty kick. That result sent Australia to the 2022 World Cup Finals in Qatar. Hashtag Soccer Twitter imploded, and Sir Graham of Gosford's legend was sealed. I wouldn't go as far as saying the and legend I, is I just sealed. Wanna, and I just want to say, uh, as you wrap that up, Thanks,
1: Evan Morgan Graham, for keeping such a good job of uh, looking after uh, looking after
0: Arnie's wiki <laughs> yes. page like that. Very good um, stuff. Look, you know what? Like, um, my belief was always when it came to, to Arnie was when you, with any Football Federation, I think in any international f- phase is when you bring in a coach for the, the next phase, like, cause obviously the, the, the cycle starts at the end of the world cup and then goes through to the next. And you have your intercontinental tournaments in between yeah. or continental tournaments. Sorry. Um, and obviously a qualification phase. If you bring that coach in, you need to see it through right to the end, no matter what happens. Like you get to the world cup, you don't get to the world cup. You yep. got to see it through unless something drastic happens. Now football, Australia tied their master Graham Arnold. And right now they had to see it right through. Um, for me personally, I have to say that, um, unfortunately, look, the style of football today was was still not inspiring. There was nothing for me to suggest that, you know, look, this is the guy that's going to take Australia back or back to or, or to a golden age in, in Australian football. But to his credit, the one thing i got to say is, I mean, he got Australia to the World Cup. I know it came down to a, a randomized penalty shootout where anything can happen, but Mm. Did get them there. I know Holger Osick yeah. technically got Australia to a World Cup too, but he got them there. And I still think there's a lot of questions we need to be asking about Graham Arnold's tenure, a lot of stuff about his position in the helm and some of his comments about Aussie DNA and, you know, hearkening off that. And then, you know, sort of not being held to account with some of his earlier comments when in the, um when he first took over about, you know, having the cattle and, playing a beautiful style of football and wanting to play like Liverpool and scoring a lot of goals and everything to now the fact that he said that, yeah, we, we you remember that? for a nil penalty shootout. It's just so good. And then he went to, now it's changed to having to basically go full Aussie DNA. And he's talking about basically, you know, having to basically kick their way through this game and be physical and everything. And, in now the recent thing that's come out after the game was about Jeff uh, Jeff Fennec sending in a motivational video that Arnie enlisted as well to pump up the players.
1: I'm amazed there hasn't been a single... We, we've gone through the whole qualification cycle with Arnie, particularly these last few weeks mm. where the, the whole DNA concept has become particularly prevalent. Not one time have we heard Graham Arnold mention anything... Any quotes from Tony Robbins? Anything from Gary Vee? <laughs> Gary I Vee. was, I was certain, Vee. I was certain. <laughs> given all the stuff that's come out, given the the relationship we know Gray Arnold has with uh, with the coach whisperer Bradley C Stubbs. I was convinced, like we're going to, a Tony
0: Robbins <laughs> quote, a Tony Mo- I, Mo- Robbins motivational speech is going to get played was, in this dressing room and I want to see some footage. I was waiting for the Socceroos digital media team to drop like this video of Tony Robbins with his mic, like, you know, where's the, the mic that comes around and he's walking through yeah. like there and he's got his booming baritone voice, like the bison that he is yes. and coming through and like just pumping up the players with some rousing speech. I can't believe it. I can't believe it didn't happen. And if not, or or, as you said, if it's Gary V being that like, you know, real, you know, smaller man kind of, you know, getting in their face kind of stuff. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it didn't to even be go. Fair,
1: I, th- I think Gary V would have been quite proud of
0: them, given some of the uh, the jobs at pushing
1: out content. Some yeah. of the
0: players have done with
1: their Instagram lives uh, after a-
0: the game. Absolutely, but you know what? One I was uh, also very surprised is I'm surprised it didn't go to the well with Mick Malthouse and got him to do like what oh. they got with Collingwood to a- embody the ANZAC <laughs> spirit. Gracious. And
1: you know, <laughs> well, well, look, I- I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my hands up and, yeah. and say that I didn't expect Graham Arnold to achieve this result, and so I do think that he deserves. Uh, credit for that. Absolutely. But I, I found the reaction to, I found the reaction and the praise for his decision to bring on Andrew Redmayne quite interesting. Mm. Uh, somewhat reflective of maybe, maybe a larger problem because, it, yes, it's obvious that, there was a method to to the madness, and um, let's not make any mistake. It was it was madness, mm. um, because Redman's got a very unique approach to how he lines up to penalties, and in a crucial moment, it's something you're not expecting, especially not not expecting a third keeper to come on. Um, that can very easily unsettle an opposition team. Absolutely, but so much of I, I think so much of the thinking about this decision is results based. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's always it's, results it's, it's, based. It's all it's it's outcome based because two things. Penalties are a lottery. Everyone will tell you that. Everyone knows that. The team that takes the first penalty, statistically, fifty four percent chance of, uh, of of winning. That, yeah. You know, we all know these sort of basic rudimentary facts about a penalty shootout. Um, we know their random chance. This could very easily have been a situation where if perhaps because we saw Redmayne have a, a bit of difficulty with getting the shots up towards the roof with mm-hmm. launching himself after yeah. he was doing that sort of dance. Because he was on the flat line. footed all the time. If we saw a few higher penalties, we might be talking about a, a keeper who let their side down. If Matt Ryan had have stayed on, he might have been able to save two penalties. But
0: does that come down to if it backfired? Yeah. Who's responsible because Arnie makes, the, I think, Arnie I th- Arnie holds the gun.
1: I think it depends on the manner of the shootout. Like if if if, okay. if Red is okay. makes okay. a mistake, for okay. example, Fair I think it's on him. But if if Redmayne doesn't save something, you and, say they're uh, all good. If he doesn't make right? a single, yeah. if he doesn't make a single save, I think you do maybe turn the blame then on Arnold and go, well, we had our captain, our number one keeper, our keeper who's played at the highest level and has done it before, and, and you brought him yeah. off for not the second choice but the third. The third choice, and he's done a job in the penalty shootout before. But I just found the amount of praise for what was a look a, a, as good as, good as it is, and as much as the clamour around it, you know, has been extensive and justifiably so. It was a chance thing. The hmm. luck broke the side of Australia and the side of Andrew Redmayne this morning, and that sort of results based thinking is that oh, he's a genius for for doing this because that's the reason we won. When that's not really how penalties actually no. work. If we're being no. honest with ourselves made me a bit worried because I thought that feels a bit more reflective of where we're at and what I fear might happen now that the Socceroos have qualified in this manner that we'll continue to see that that concept of results and not process-based thinking Mm. permeate the discourse and the idea of the Aussie DNA becoming... A uh, more prevalent part of uh, Australian sporting culture, and that that concerns me because, uh, as much as the the fighting hard and wanting it kind of argument can push you on to things, I actually also also think that it's it's a limiting belief. I yeah. actually think approaching games in this way puts a cap on what you can actually achieve. Mm. It, you know, because yeah, no, no, I get that. It, if if you're just sort of Approaching games with the mentality that oh we're always the underdogs, uh, we're always going to dig in and 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 fight hard and you know kick and scratch and claw, well then you are always going to be a team who are playing second fiddle to to your opponents. And for me, there is nothing courageous or battler about that. For me, that that's almost mm. letting your opponent dictate proceedings is almost a, a cowardly one, to me. One, it feels like the opposite.
0: One point I want to make before we wrap up, Lockie. Um, because obviously we've got another program straight after this, um, is you speak about results and dictating, I guess, the discourse. Some of the I, – I hate to, like, you know, go full just like, you know, all you people are wrong. But, like, some of the takes after the game in regards to, you know, that was a, an amazing performance, everything worked to a T, everything like that. You know, this was a an amazing win in terms of the way we played. It was an Arnie masterclass. Everything is just so short sighted, mm. and it's like, why? Like, it, it, it's it's frustrating because it, it it's like if that penalty shootout goes the opposite way and we lose that game, Lockie, it is a complete one eighty with what the takes are. We obviously you mentioned penalty shots being a. You know, yeah, it'll, it'll, it's, it all feels big 180 very... because we'd be saying, oh, we didn't create during the game. We were negative. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. It all but... feels a bit too reactionary. Uh, absolutely. Because you think about it as well. Like if, because the, the narrative, narrative changes when you win in that situation with some of these people. So we defended brilliantly you know uh the way we dictated possession was great that we just played we played it to a tee it doesn't really make sense even a couple words coming out of my mouth this is some of the stuff i've been seeing on twitter today right if we lose that game on penalties it's a complete 180 because what then you're saying is you go you can then quickly flip that argument and say we didn't create you know we were too negative the midfield didn't get involved it's everything we're saying right but it's just with the tone of oh we, we but we lost you know what i mean like It's like we can use it as a bit of a cop-out. Well, uh, as Vince is saying in the Facebook Live
1: comment section, uh, in the words of Johnny Warren, we we shouldn't just be looking at qualifying for the World Cup. We should be looking at how we can win it. Now, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. But we we should be looking at the the hows of what we're doing. While it's great that we've qualified for this World Cup, and I think especially in terms of coming back to the initial conversation, which was World Cups that... Can we afford to miss one? This kind of thing. Mm. This is the worst one of them all, just because of the timing of it against the Women's World Cup that mm. we're hosting. Like this has created a like a a gold rush kind oh, of period yeah. for Australian football. And not having the World Cup would have been a real, real mm. dampener on that. So now we've got bummer. that great build. But I just hope that the manner in which it's happened, uh, the the thinking that has driven some of the reaction. And the analysis of and revisionism, I, mm-hmm. I think, in many respects, um, of of this campaign process is that it entrenches the ideals that we've used to drag ourselves yeah. over the line, which is this sort of battle of mentality. I, I I don't know about other people, but for me, I, I want a national team that I can be proud, proud of, even of, yeah. if it is a team that loses. I want it. I want to support a team that actually is taking it to their opponents. Says, we know you're a bigger nation than us, but we're not afraid to actually try and play the game on our terms. I I want a team that can, I can really be like, look, we might not get the result, but I'm happy to be there. I don't, I don't want to just go every four years, just getting over the line. And there's no actual introspection because the weight of the relief, um, the relief off the shoulders is what we're all focused on. So I, I hope that thinking doesn't get further entrenched by all of this. And despite being able to acknowledge awesome result, glad to have qualified. That we we do spend a bit more time thinking about the how mm. of, of of these things. That that that's sort of my main point. But irrespective of all of that, it is still a super super result, and it sets up Australia both in men's and women's football for an an awesome fe- yeah, like an absolutely. awesome awesome period, and one that could could really yeah turn the fortunes of um.
0: Of well, let's the game hope. Around. Well, Lockie. Uh, before we go, just one little quick thing. Sure. Uh, France, Denmark, Tunisia coming. Real quick. We getting out of the group? No, but I think we can get a result. I think we win one. I think we beat... I think we finish with three points. Three? Okay. I think we win against Tunisia. I think, and we, I think we could get two points. Two I, draws.
1: Yeah, I, th- I wouldn't be... I don't know. No, do you, we you, we
0: we've got to aim to get out of the. No, yeah.
1: I agree. I completely Anything agree. Is a, is a um, but I can see. I could see a result possibly against. I know Denmark are better than they were in 2018, but the style of football ostensibly is still the same under them. It's one that, yeah. if the soccerers continue their current approach, I don't think is mm. well. Uh, I don't think Denmark is well suited to what the soccerers might bring. Um, and you know, Tunisia. You know, there's there's um, there's enough of a. You know the, the gap levels, is not level, sufficient yeah. enough and, that you and could France, expect. To get I something.
0: mean. I mean, we did what? okay against them in 2018. Exactly.
1: And France are, again, m- similar. Um, Cultural pretty, terrorists. They are World Cup winners, obviously, but they're still they're still ostensibly the same side yeah. under Deschamps as they were, as they were in 2018. As and it s- took some significant
0: fortune for oh, them to absolutely. get the result and over look, us in 2018. I know it's a very different team on both sides. Well, not really for France, but mainly for Australia. A different coach, but... I guess we'll just have to wait and see, Lockie. But nonetheless,
1: we will have to wait and see. But the relief from uh, us at the FNR Studios and for you watching at home, or listening at home, depending on uh, to how you're tuning in, is that we are watching it. Yeah. Is that we will we will, be we will have a team to support and look, That's that's the main thing that's to. Uh, that's the main thing to focus on as we wrap up here on the Oswald Football Hour. Nick Dubano has got a. Get himself Ready prepped for, or, for Paco Radio coming right up on the other side of this. I'm yeah. going to fall in a heap and uh, go off to sleep. But if you've missed any of the show with myself and Nick Dubarni, you can catch it on the FNR podcast platforms or you can watch back the live stream on our uh, Facebook or Twitch if you're yeah. that way inclined, you want the visual aid. But for now, here on the Aus Football Hour, uh, we'll be back next week.
0: Victory looking to build. Barbarous is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley hit! Come <laughs> on, oh,